threatens me today. You know, think about what's in your life right now, what you're facing. Is your attitude and mental framework and countenance evidence that, hey, God's got this under control. He is able, more than able, to take care of anything that's going on in my life today. He is able, more than able, to handle anything that comes my way. It's easy for us to look at the future and think, oh, what about this? What about this? Be filled with fear. Be filled with anxiety. Or maybe with stuff we're facing right now. Do we really believe that He is able? He is able more than able to do much more than I could ever dream. Are you like me that Sometimes you think about praying for something, but then it's like, I don't see how that person will ever change. I don't see how that will happen. I, and our little faith keeps us from really believing this. And you may be here today and thinking, you know... <clears throat> I just feel like in my Christian life I'm spinning my wheels, that I'm in the same rut and I, I don't know that I'll ever be what I ought to be. He is able more than able to make me what He wants me to be. All of those are true. Every aspect of that song. And, and today really... Our message today, the purpose of it, is it is to get us back to realizing what a great God we have and that He is able. You know, we are studying the book of Mark and, and one of the characteristics of the book of Mark is it shows the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. And if you'll, if you'll keep that in the back of your mind as you read through and study the book of Mark, um, you've already seen Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. And they said, whoa, wait a minute. Who do you think you are to say the sins are forgiven you? And he said, well, I'll prove to you who I am. And then he said, rise up and walk. And throughout... Throughout the book of Mark, he's showing that. But he is a living illustration of who God is. Because he is God incarnate in the flesh. And we sometimes forget how great God is. It doesn't... We know it. We give the mental assent to it. But in the reality of our life, often there's a disconnect of really how big God is. And, and in understanding the reality that God has all authority and power. Do you understand? No, we don't understand what that means. But God... God has all authority and power, and from the very first verse in the Bible to the very last verse in the Bible, 
He is telling us and illustrating to us that He has all authority. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We stand in awe. Um, I don't know how many of you have, have the last few days seen the moon rise and stand in awe at the, the full moon. We stand in awe at these beautiful mornings that, that have been given to us. We stand in awe when we see the in, intricacy of God's design. And it's by His power that He did this. And God often works to remind us of His power. And He illustrates that throughout the Bible. The book of Job. Job, as, as we know, um, suffered severe and traumatic setbacks in life and losses and lost everything. And... and Yet he came to a point where he said, God, why are you doing this? And what is going on here? And, and he had a, <clears throat> it wasn't a come to Jesus meeting, it was God coming to him. And beginning in Job 38, in chapters 38 and 39, and the first part of 40, God showed up to Job and he said, Job, I'm going to ask you a few things. And he started in a list of 60 questions that he asked Job. Job, and I encourage you to go back and read it. But he asked Job all these questions, and it wasn't calculus or anything like that. It was like, Job, can you, can you make the sun rise? Do you set the timing of the tides of the sea? Are you the one that determines? Can you determine when, when a deer brings forth its offspring? And he asked all these questions, and it was Job standing there, and it's like, no, no. I, I just picture that. Job, you've been there when you've been in school, and the teacher asks a question, and you go, I don't have a clue. And, and then she says, Dennis, would you give us your answer? And it's like, you want to slide under the desk. And I've learned the hard way to just say, I don't know. Because when you try to make up something, it really gets bad. All right? How many of you can relate to that? Job had enough sense, he, he didn't even answer. And, and then when it was all said and done, Job in chapter 40 said, if I can find it here, Job 40, Moreover the Lord answered Job and said, Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God... Let him answer it. So God, after all this series of questions that Job had no answer to, God said, so you're contending with me. Let's hear your answer. And Job answered and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I will lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. 
Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. And then God dealt in Job's life in an amazing way. But what God was doing is saying, Job, you're questioning what I'm doing, but you, you don't, there's no way you can understand my ways. But trust me, I am the God of all power manifested in creation, manifesting in sustaining creation. And, and he says throughout Scripture, Isaiah 46, All my counsel will stand and what I say will be accomplished. So, he says, I am God, there, there is none other. And no one can know the fullness of who I am. But he says, I am great beyond any measure that you can imagine. He is sovereign. I, I checked Webster's 1828 dictionary. Sovereign means supreme in power. Possessing supreme dominion. Superior to all others. Supremely dominant. A supreme lord or ruler who possesses the highest authority without any control over them. That is our God. And it it mentions it over and over again supremely. Now, we read Daniel chapter 4. Here's another illustration of how great God is. Here was the greatest man in the ruling and at his time on the face of the earth. And God came and told him what was going to happen. It didn't change his life any. And for 12 months he continued on. And then everything that God said happened. I am sure as one month went by and another month, and yeah, that that stuff's not going to happen. And then everything happened. And as, as you... Noticed as we read that, Nebuchadnezzar came through a very, very difficult process to realize that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men. And there are numerous times in that passage that he says that. But he says in verse 34, I bless the Most High and praised and honor Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generations. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain His hand or say to Him, What have you done? And you notice he said, it was, my understanding was restored to me. And verse 37, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways are justice. And notice the last sentence, and those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. 
Nebuchadnezzar, the highest authority, humanly speaking, came to realize I am nothing before God. God is supreme. He has all power. He has all authority. And every authority on earth and every power on earth is subject to him. We could go on and on and give illustrations of the power and authority of God. But turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Jesus Christ illustrates the fact that God has all power and all authority. And you notice in Mark chapter 1 and verse 22. He, Jesus came, he went to the synagogue, he was teaching And as he taught in the synagogue, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, the book of Mark is, is, he's kind of like a cameraman of the four Gospels. He takes a snapshot here and shows it. Another snapshot here, another snapshot of, of Jesus' life. And very quickly shares these without a lot of background or further information. But one thing you will notice, as we mentioned earlier, he is highlighting the authority of Jesus as the unique Son of God. He is the unique Son of God. And as the unique Son of God, he has all authority. So Jesus Christ came to illustrate the authority. And He illustrated it, first of all, through His teaching. When He taught, they said, Whoa, we have have never heard anyone like this. It wasn't necessarily He had this dramatic flair. He spoke with authority. He spoke with confidence. He... He, by His teaching, manifested something that that went right to the very heart of the people and they immediately knew this is completely different than the scribes and Pharisees that normally are teaching here. This is, whoa, this this is completely speaking to our hearts. He spoke with authority and they were amazed Notice verse 27. Then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey Him. So He spoke with authority, but His authority is also seen in His ability to command evil spirits to obey Him. It's manifested in His power to heal diseases. It's manifested in His power over nature. In the book of Mark, you read that He calmed the storm. And and Mark is showing God has power 
over diseases. He has power over the storms, nature. He has power in, in dealing in men's hearts to repent and believe. He manifested His power. Here were fishers of men. I mean, fishers of fish, fishermen. And He came and called them. And they immediately obeyed and followed. That's power. That's authority. He even, as we'll go through the book of Mark, you'll see, He has power over death, raising the dead, and Himself being raised from the dead. So Jesus is a living illustration that God has all power and all authority. And Jesus closed His ministry when He gave the Great Commission. And He said, I'm reminding you again, all power is given unto Me in heaven and in earth. This is right where we're living, right now. It hasn't changed a bit. He's given all power. He is a sovereign God. He is over all. We, we sing the song, Our Sovereign God. And, and just to bring it fresh in our mind, I'm going to ask Jason if he'll come and lead us as we sing together the first two verses of this. The first verse talks about God's sovereignty over all creation. But the second verse deals with God's sovereignty in sending His Son. And in doing that, He showed, I have all power. So we're going to sing together verses 1 and 2 of our sovereign God. Our sovereign God, by His own Word, sustains this world and reigns as Lord. No angel, demon, sinful man can change His course, restrain His hand. O sovereign God, we praise Your power, Your wisdom good. As we think about God's sovereignty, His power, His authority, we ask the question, 
okay, how am I, what should I respond to his power and authority? And again, I encourage you as we study the book of Mark to notice where he exercises his authority and how it's manifested. But it is, okay? God is all-powerful. God is in control. He's far beyond us. What should my response be? Number one, it should be to submit to His authority. This requires humility. We are born into this world thinking we know it. Just look at any two-year-old. They know it all, right? And if not then, when they're three. And if not then, when they're 16. They really know it all, all right? But we know nothing. And we must come to the point where we acknowledge our need of God and His forgiveness. We're born into this world as sinners. We're self-willed. We're um, proud, self-centered. Everything is about us. And our heart naturally goes against God's way. And God said in His sovereignty, there is only one way of forgiveness of sin. There is not salvation in any other except in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That alone provides forgiveness of sins. No church membership, no baptism. You can do all the good works you you want. You can be voted the, the best citizen of the United States, but if you have never come to the point to get forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ, you will be separated from God for all eternity. And that is the first aspect of submission, where we come and say, God, I am a sinner. I am in desperate need of Your forgiveness. And I believe Jesus Christ alone is the way of forgiveness, and I call upon you for the forgiveness of sins. He says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's submission there, but that's the beginning step. Throughout our life, we need to continually submit to His authority because... Once we come to Christ as Savior, we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, but we still have our old flesh, our old nature dwelling within us. And the Bible tells us these two war against each other. And God says, this is what I want you to do. And the flesh says, no, don't do that. And there is that battle. And we need to continually submit to the Spirit. He's the authority. He knows He's never been wrong. He'll never be wrong. And yet we struggle with submitting to Him. This aspect of submission, Philippians 2 tells us, the day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
Every knee is going to come to the point that Nebuchadnezzar was. But some are going to come too late for it to make a difference in their eternal destiny. We must humble ourselves before God and submit to His authority. God, You are the Creator. You are the Lawgiver. You are the Judge. You are the Redeemer. You are my Savior and I submit to You. So, first of all, because He has all power and all authority, we need to submit to His authority and continue to submit. But then, we need to learn to rest in His authority. God is at work in our lives. God is in control. And we need to reflect that in our lives. Too many times we as Christians are going around filled with anxiety and filled with worry. And, and if, we, if we don't think we have enough to worry about, we, we know some good friends that can point to us some things that we haven't thought of to worry about. Or there's plenty of websites out there that tell you everything's going haywire. And, and humanly speaking, it is. But to realize the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord, the God of all flesh, the God of all power, is the one leading. Do you really believe that He's at work in your life and He's put you here at this time And all the things going on, He is able, more than able, to accomplish what concerns. If we believed it, we'd rest in Him. We'd have a peace that passes all understanding, meaning it doesn't make sense, you should have peace. How do you have peace? Well, my God is in control. That we rest in His authority. Is is your life a testimony of resting in God's authority? My God is all-powerful. He's in control. I'm resting in Him. I know He'll lead me. I know He'll give me the grace. I can rest in Him. Resting in His authority. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we submit to His authority and continue submitting to His authority. And then we rest in His authority. And then, because He's all-powerful, because He has all authority, pray with faith in God's authority and His wisdom. And let me... I struggled with how to say it, and I'm not happy with how I just said it, but I'll try to explain it. As I mentioned earlier, many times my lack of faith hinders my prayer life. I don't pray like God is all-powerful. Have you ever had someone, that this last summer we were challenged to pray for people 
to come to Christ that God may use us or use others? And did you ever have someone that came to mind and was like, Phew, I don't see how they'll ever get saved. And you didn't put them down on your prayer list? The reality is we do that because we lose sight of how great God is. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Remember, the angel came to Mary and said, you'll, you'll be with child. And Mary said, how can this be? I am a virgin. How can I be with child? And the response was, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. There was faith in a great God. And Mary submitted and said, Lord, be it unto me as your handmaid. I am your servant. Whatever you seek to do in my life, I submit to you. Our prayers many times are not in view of the fact that we're talking to a God with whom all things are possible, and that we can take these requests that He puts on our heart to Him and trust His perfect wisdom to know that whether He answers, delays, or says no, we can rest in the fact that He is doing what is best. Because He's sovereign. He's in control. William Carey, the great missionary mightily used of God, said, Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. And the order of that is very important. It begins with God. You don't begin attempting things on your own And ask God to get on your program. We get on God's program and allow Him to lead us and empower us to do His will. But really, what do you, you, in your prayer life, what what manifests that you believe there is a, a great God with whom all power and all authority is in? And then fourthly, rejoice in His works. This is, this is the God that created the heaven and the earth, the God that brought Nebuchadnezzar down to a place of humility, the God that worked through Job. We could go on and on. Philippians 2 tells us, It is God which is at work in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. We sometimes sing the song, Oh, rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. He knoweth the end of each path that I take. That's, like I said, easy to sing here, but it's hard to do. And we often forget when we're in a hurry and we go out and the tire in the car is flat. Fine, what a fine time. Or you can put whatever trial comes. Fine, what a fine time for this to happen. 
And we really act like God isn't in control. When, when we get upset and start huffing and puffing around and kicking this and kicking that, yeah, God's in control. We're really showing we believe God. No. God, you have a purpose for this. Help me in my response now to this purpose, to this event. Help me to glorify you. God is weaving our lives, our lives, and he's using our life. This is where it gets tricky, weaving it with other people's lives. And sometimes we don't like the threads of other people. And we think, eh, they're... They're burlap and I'm silk or vice versa and you don't like it. And God's weaving it. Do you really believe He's in control? Do you really believe He put you in that Bible study group that you're in and there's that one person that for some reason you don't like? If you knew, they probably don't like you either. And God's trying to teach you genuine love. Do you really believe that God gave you this job and they hired this jerk to work next to you? Do you really believe? No, that God doesn't care about that. Yes, He does. And He wants to use it in your life to make you more like Christ. And so we need to rejoice in God's working. As Jason said, in everything give thanks. And to have the purpose that, God, I want to glorify you. I read this last week, just a couple days ago, this prayer. Oh, Father, I pray for faith to believe that you rule the world in truth and justice and love. Okay, it goes on, but... We can gripe and complain and bellyache about our government. Do you really believe the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord? I mean, do we really believe that? That no one, he says, no one rises to authority but by my design. I'm speaking to myself because I've griped and complained and how did we get to this point that we have this? Well, God's got a purpose in it. And the point is not what is happening in my life. It's how I'm responding to it. So, Lord, help me to believe that you truly rule in the world. Help me to have faith to believe that if I seek first your kingdom and righteousness, you will provide for my needs. Do you really believe that? Do you seek God first and His Word daily? Do you make the number one priority in your life walking with God? Yeah, but what about this? What about this? What about this? Do you believe it? He said, you seek me first. I'll take care of this. For faith to not be anxious about tomorrow, but to believe that the love you have given me in the past will continue in the future. For faith to see your loving purposes unfold in all that is happening in our time. All these purposes of things happening in our time. 
You have a purpose. For faith to be calm and brave in the face of any dangers I may meet with while doing my duty. For faith to believe in the power of your love to melt my hard heart and totally remove my sin. For faith to put my own trust in love rather than force when other people harden their hearts against me. For faith to believe in the ultimate victory of our Holy Spirit over the powers of darkness. For faith to learn from any sufferings that you call me to endure. For faith to leave in your hands the welfare of my loved ones. See, do we really believe God? Do we really, not just a mental assent, do we really believe God? I read the other day, it's not enough to believe in God. We must actually believe God. The devil believes in God. But he doesn't believe God. And all this authority, Jesus came and he's showing all authority. And he's, he's in essence saying, you can trust me. You can really trust me. So, I'm going to ask Jason to come again. And we're going to sing the third verse. Before our birth, he planned our days. Laid out our course, ordained our ways. The moments of our lives He weaves. We can trust Him. <clears throat> Before our birth He planned our days. Laid out our course, ordained ways. The moments of our lives He weaves, so all the glory He receives. To those He loved before all time, to all He called in grace renewed, He cannot lie. So we ask this morning, how powerful is your God? Don't give me the Sunday school answer. Look at your life. Where is the belief that God is all-powerful manifested in your life? You know, that's what changes our living. I think back, um, my mom and dad believed in a big God. And it was manifested in their lives. I, I, I was seven years old, and on a Saturday night, my mom delivered a stillborn daughter. I didn't get the gravity of it. My dad got up on Sunday morning and preached his message that God had laid on his heart. 
And then he shared with the people what had just happened. That's belief in a big God. That God has a purpose in all of this. Like I said, I was seven years old. All I knew is there was a lot of tears and a lot of things going on. But later in life, I can remember Mom saying, you know, God opened up doors of ministry through the loss of Janice Kay that we never would have had. God can take the worst things, and many of you have experienced many times worse than that. But do you believe he's able, we say it, he's able to make all things work together for good to them that love God. Is it evident in how we think and how we act? Is it evident in our countenance? We as believers should be the most joyous people in the world. Why? Whoa! My Father is all-powerful, and He is the King of all, and He is at work in my life, and He will give me grace for His glory. I can rest in Him. That's who our Father is. That's who our God is. How is His power manifested in your life? What difference is it making in your life? We just sang, the moments of our lives he weaves, so all the glory he receives. There come some tough moments in life, and you may be going some, through some really tough moments right now. What I want to encourage you to do is come with your hands to God and say, God, here it is. I want you to be honored through my response. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins, I encourage you just to come before God and say, God, here I am. I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness. And I ask Jesus Christ to forgive my sins. As we bow our heads together in prayer, I'm going to ask Kathy if she'd just play our sovereign God. As a believer, how big is your God? Where is it manifested? Do you need to come before Him right now and just say, God, forgive me for acting like you're a little God, like you're a far-off God? I haven't submitted to your authority. I haven't rested in your authority. I haven't prayed according to your authority. I'm not rejoicing in your works. Will you go before him? As the instrument plays, I encourage you to do that. And then, if you're here today and never have trusted Christ... Would you simply say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me through the work of Jesus Christ.
Lord, I personally come to You and ask Your forgiveness for not manifesting in my life how great and mighty You are. How perfect You are in all Your ways and that many times I haven't rested in Your care. So Lord, I pray that I would reflect in a greater sense the greatness of Your glory. That I really would believe You are able to accomplish everything that concerns me today. That You are able to do much more than I could ever imagine. So Lord, help our faith to be in You, the great God, the only God, the big God. And may it be reflected in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. One more.